Hello from Yerushalayim and Beit Shemesh. Yomin Rose and myself, Gedalia Gutentag, with Mishpachah's home front, covering Israel's biggest conflict in a generation. Yomin, hello to you. Hello, Gedalia. How are you today? Listen, I have a sense of, I think, as someone famous once said, is deja vu all over again, because we have the reappearance and resurrection of Barack Obama. And I'd like to discuss with you with some really horrific comments that are very worrying, not because A, he's a former president, and B, he has outsized sway in the direction of the current Democratic Party. So let's just jump straight into those comments. Obama gave an interview in which he contextualized Hamas's attack. These were his words. He said, yes, Hamas's attack was, quote, horrific, but he also said that what's happening to Palestinians, quote, unquote, is also more quoting, unbearable. And he said, if you want to solve the problem, then you have to take it in the whole truth. And you then have to admit nobody's hands are clean, that all of us are complicit to some agree. And that all of us just being, he didn't mean himself, he meant Israel, obviously. And I would argue, I think that's a kind of jaw-dropping intervention over there because that is the worst case of contextualization for a major Western leader that I've seen, and it's hard to contend something uh, to comprehend that anything could be worse than that, Benjamin, not just on its own terms, but because the Democratic Party continues to be enthralled to him. And what he says today could well be Democratic Party policy tomorrow. At least you're going to have to worry that that's the case. So I have to say this is a very worrying moment as the Democrats wobble on Israel and as the world center-left, including the UK, as we mentioned over here, wobbles over Israel as they go further into Gaza. And I would say that is a very, very worrying moment. Yami, what's your take? Gidali, it's important to remember one thing. Obama made his remarks at a University of Chicago alumni weekend. Of course, he's an alumnus himself of the University of Chicago. So it's not like there was anyone there to challenge him. And he got some applause from the audience. I wouldn't have been one of them applauding, but had I been there and had a chance to question him, I would have asked, when he said that nobody's hands are clean, I would ask if that includes the former President Obama, because he's the one who basically set America on course for the policy of empowering Iran. And we all know the nefarious role that Iran has played and continues to play in the Middle East in threatening Israel, in financing Hezbollah and Hamas. So I'd like to know if uh, Obama feels that he has any guilt uh, to share. The second point, at the risk of repeating myself, Obama blamed the occupation. Who's occupied? Israel left Gaza in 2005. They cleared out 19 settlements, 9,000 Jews, and everyone in the IDF. And when we went back into when it's Sarim, the IDF last week, they found an amusement park on the site uh, where a synagogue used to be. So Gaza is not occupied. The West Bank? No, sorry. 90% of the Palestinians live in areas that are under control of the Palestinian Authority. Nobody's occupying them. Fine. We have a few hundred thousand Jews that live in Judea and Samaria, and uh, they have the right to do so. But I'd like to know, what occupation? Yeah, agreed. I think the key question is going to be, you know, there's been the contention that this uh, Biden's first term is really the Obama administration's third term. There's so many staffers, you know, they waited around during the Trump term and they slipped seamlessly into the, into the White House under Biden. And so there's been this idea that the strings of that administration really pulled from behind the scenes by Obama. Now, my take on that has been that there have been signs of far more warmth and far less daylight between Israel and America 
than under Obama, not just science. I think that's the reality. I profiled Tom Knight's former U.S. ambassador to Israel, and I wrote that, and some people took me to task on that, thought I was too warm about it. But be that as it may, I think the key point is going to be over here. This is really crunch time for Biden. Over the Israel issue, this is where he gets to prove that he's a better man and an independent man, independent of his former boss, President Obama. The Jewish world is watching him here because he created a good impression when he came over here. Does he have the strength to say, hold on, this is, I'm president now. We're actually, this is not the third term. We're going to back Israel going forward as well and ignore Obama's uh, intervention over there. That's the key question for me. And it's a question that we don't know how it's going to turn out. Again, the U.S. is placing a lot of emphasis on the humanitarian plight of the Palestinians. They're not talking so much about the humanitarian plight of Israelis. And I want to bring that up. In the last day, there have been 122 air raid sirens in Israel. Uh, that's an average of five an hour or uh, one every 12 minutes. Over the course of the war, the average is about 89 a day. So even though we're making progress militarily in Gaza, the amount of rocket launchings are actually going up. It has to be noted, Binyamin, that a lot of the uh, launches seem to be from southern Gaza, which means the pressure on northern Gaza seems to be telling over there, which is interesting. Yeah, we're going to uh, have to go into southern Gaza at some point also, but we have a lot more work to do in the north. One other figure I wanted to bring out was there was a report in Globes that 18% of Israelis are not working at their regular jobs. A part of that, of course, is because many of the men uh, are on Miluim. Uh, they're uh, in the army and they're fighting or ready to fight. But also, there's still a lot of places that are just plain closed down. Uh, I was at a hotel in uh, Yerushalayim this morning for a short period of time uh, where there's a lot of people who have been resettled from different communities in the South. And uh, the place was bustling. And uh, that's our humanitarian problem. Again, we have at least a couple hundred thousand people, if not more, who are not at home and that they can't be at home. And who knows whether they'll be able to return to their home. So again, I understand that there's international law and America wants to uh, be even handed and they want to make sure that we do what we need to in order to follow international law. However, we have our own humanitarian plight also. And I think Israel needs to begin talking about that a bit more uh, so that people understand that this is a two-way street. Let me share with you, uh, you know, on that note, experience I had yesterday uh, about Israel's humanitarian flight uh, and of the first order. Let me just, I don't know if we'll be able to get it up on the screen over here uh, with their webcam, but you have over here a t-shirt that I picked up yesterday. It's coming up, Hostages and Missing Families Forum, which you're starting to see a lot of Israelis wear. And these are the colors of the I don't know if you see the vigils and the protests that took place yesterday all over the world, where they're holding up these posters of the missing, of the kidnapped and hostages for, you know, 240 of them inside Gaza. And this campaign is being run from the headquarters in Tel Aviv. And it's headquartered on Leonardo da Vinci Street in the startup area of, of Tel Aviv in the center. And it is very, very painful and moving as well to go and visit, see what's going on there. Firstly, you saw the creme de la creme of Israel's uh, high-tech and startup and entrepreneurial know-how concentrating this building. Hundreds of volunteers, we're talking about some of the major CEOs in the company have a donated space free of charge or donated their firm's entire resources in terms of so many things like advertising, strate strategic content, uh, uh, you know, di different areas. And there's hundreds of people who've literally taken a holiday from the job for a month and counting to do something to get these hostages back. And you have to walk around there in the corridors there, you can meet Yossi Cohen, former head of the Mossad, right, who's basically negotiating on behalf of the families, which 
may or may not conflict with the government's uh, negotiations as well. Separate topic. But you can meet Raz Nezri there, who was the who was just until a short time ago was the guy's actually responsible for trying to lock Netanyahu up. In terms of you know, he was a deputy attorney general. He's busy there going to, to the ICE International Criminal Court in the Hague on behalf of the captives, something the Israeli government can't do itself because they don't recognize the ICC. And there's everything going on from that to psychological help for them. And it was very, very moving and very, very, very sad. You can just sit and talk to members of these families over there and they're desperate for help. They've got no avenue. They've got nothing, no avenue to turn to. And that's what I'm going to be writing about. I think it's going to go hopefully this week in. But I just want to share that the very existence of the opportunity and share the experience of encountering this pain over here. Because, you know, there's been a lot of talk, Benjamin, about, you know, we've got a dam for the soldiers. And it's true. This, one is not the expense of the other. But in a certain sense, these poor families are at risk being left behind and forgotten simply because there's a war on involving half a million men. And there's a country to be saved. And these, these people could be left behind. I think there's tremendous pain. And if I take away one thing from that, it's a chizot we have to daven. You have to have these people in mind when you meet them. And the most remarkable thing is you can either meet them or you can volunteer your time, volunteer your efforts, volunteer your money. It's a, it's a wonderful special cause, which we know is Pidyon and Shavuyim. And so it's something that should be more widely known and I encourage people to get involved in that. I just want to say that in my 30 years in Eretz Yisrael, I found the same thing, that people might disagree with each other politically. Uh, they might disagree with each other uh, when it comes to uh, religious attitudes, when it comes to uh, the army service, et cetera, et cetera. But when it comes down to it and the chips are down, we band together. Well, thank you for, for the emphasizing that. I just uh, want to take that up in the last few seconds over here by saying, as remembered, in the basement of this complex over here, we're talking about seventh floor dedicated just to this cause. They have the gear to do all the stickers, bumper stickers, and all the t-shirts and all the, the various posters, the ones that keep getting ripped down all over the world. And they're giving them out. And the people volunteering them is the most incredible thing. There was one, a CEO of an advertising company. There was a professor of film studies, I kid you not. And these people are basically saying, we cannot sit at home. They've given up their jobs. So they've taken significant time off their jobs do something that is meaningful to them in the current moment. And as I stood there talking to them, I suddenly said to them, listen, let's be honest. In what other constellation would you and I be standing here, right? So the Jews were so different with so many different ends of the spectrum. So sometimes it does take a disaster to bring together. And there has been an after us. May that long continue. Yamin, have a good day. See you tomorrow.